walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody, settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, and this art is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. Ooh, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Apron Bump Podcast. I'm your host, the hardest part of the ring, Kyle Bird. How is everybody doing today? Hope everybody's doing well. Hope nobody's getting struck by lightning at the moment. It's more that I can say for the WWF here in May of 1996. We got Beware of Dog in your house. Eight. Beware of Dog. Row, 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 row. <clears throat> so. Well, we got Beware of Dog 1, and then we got Beware of Dog 2, Electric Boogaloo, a double special, <laughs> a double feature on our hands today on the Apron and Pump, just because I love you guys so much. Um, lot, Lots of people. It's actually, it's a long, it's, it's actually a long established uh, myth that there are two beware of dogs a lot of people say it's because lightning struck a transformer and shut the power off in the arena but in reality beware of dog one beware of dog two um it's actually a product of ecw's pitbull number one and pitbull number two wanting to have a go with the booking so they each had a each that's not good all right let's see pitbull joke um yeah beware of dog one beware of dog two i mean uh what did what was what did conan was conan there or something <laughs> okay dog uh what are what's some, who, who, who are more junkyard dog who's your favorite dog in wrestling leave it in the comments <laughs> junkyard dog uh there's a lot of pit bulls Sergeant Sergeant Craig Pittman, the pit bull from WCW. I mean, I mean, that could be a whole podcast in itself. Dogs and wrestling. Leave a comment if you'd like to hear that. I hope you don't. Uh, but yes, beware of dog in your house. Eight. It's a show we're covering today. Most well known for the, uh, the 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 debacle of the power outage. But there's actually some pretty good stuff here, man. We got Mark Marrow making his pay-per-view debut against Triple H. We got one of the best strap matches I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Weirdly enough, just in the midst of all this, we got a casket match between Goldust and Undertaker. 
Apparently, Shawn Michaels is trying to fuck uh, Bulldog's wife. There's a lot of wacky stuff happening here. And uh, I mean, I think the podcast speaks for itself, but a lot of wackiness to get into here. And make sure to stay tuned at the end, mix. We're going to grade this bad boy. And we're going to continue the hardest promotion battle of 1996. We're going to see if this show gave us any of the best or the worst in pro wrestling. In ring, out of ring, promos, all of that stuff. We get into it. We get into great detail at the end of the podcast. But on the way there, we got some good stuff coming. Who's we? Well, it's myself and my guest, Fretz, from the Fretzelmania podcast, returning to a show. We have a good old time barking up a storm about in your house. Hey, go check out the Fretzelmania podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, does a great job over there covering. He covers the Ruthless Aggression era. Also some other. We did like um, a 1990 WCW review on his show. We've done there's He does some TNA. He does a lot of good stuff. Again, if you like what the apron bump puts out, you'll enjoy Fretzy Boy. And uh, what him and all of the Wrestle Addicts boys, Kings of the Rings, all that that whole crew over there. Great group of guys. I'll put all that info in the description below. Go check them out. The Fretzelmania podcast. And hey. Check me out too at Apron Bump on all the social medias, uh, Instagram, Facebook, X. I guess we'll see if <laughs> I doubt that'll actually be a thing, but maybe this will age well. Maybe by the time I put this out, it'll be xvideos.com. So, gotta really clear my browser history for that one. But with that, let's let's unchain the dog and let it, um. Come out of the doghouse? No, let's um let's unleash the hounds. Was that the shield? Was that their thing? I don't know. WWF in your house eight with myself and Fretz from the Fretzelmania podcast. Not too bad. Let me record before I forget on this thing. That wouldn't be good. All right. <laughs> oh, so I have to get all my bad words out now then. No, let's let them fly, man. Let them fly. Let all your uh, racial tirades go. Oh, we won't include that, right? As oh, <laughs> no, those insert people here. Yeah, those. Uh, what is Savio Vega? Puerto Rican. Yeah. Don't like those people, right? Oh, I'm not going to get on you. the. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to get on the bad side of East of the Demon Diva. Uh, no, mm. she kn- she knows how to uh, use a sockler really good. So or right. her stilettos. A chancla? Is that what it's called? I think it's a it's a flip-flop. <clears throat> Zelina Vega tells me it's a chancla. So. And uh, when I hear that, I, I think of some uh, candy bar or something. So, It's probably just as delicious. I'm sure you're right. Mm-hmm. I love the... Uh, is that a Fretzelmania mug? That is. You can get those on spring.com slash I don't know the link. Check my pinned tweet. That's good promotion. That's good promotion. <laughs> I don't know the link to my shirt, which I'm wearing, I happen to be wearing too. So look at us just shilling, shilling ourselves here this morning. Uh, we, got, we got a cheap plug right here in insert whatever town you're in. <laughs> Man, I have a Bullet Club shirt too. Like I could put mine on and we could just be the shittiest version of it out of all the 12 of them that are existing. Oh, you mean best? I mean, this is Bullet Club gold. So this is. Oh, that is. Oh, I can't tell it's gold. From the no, I, I got this one. Uh, I was at Forbidden Door last month, and right. I, during the Fatal Four Way match, I thought, well, 
I'm going to go have a piss and then I'm going to go look for a t-shirt and almost got lost on my way back again. And I've been to the Air Canada Centre a bunch of times. Right. How was that, man? That show seemed hype from watching it from home. Phenomenal. Yeah. Like the well, for one thing, the Blackpool Combat Club came out like right right at our at our exit. Mm-hmm. So they oh, were really? right there and and I didn't know this, but watching the replay back, uh, right above them was Mr. Warren Hayes. Wow, what are the odds? He, right on camera, just booing uh who's that take it? Who's that guy? Take a shitta? Yeah, take a shitta. Booing him, and then he high-fived Shota Umino because he was decked out in his like New Japan scarf and shirt. <laughs> I'm pissed that I didn't see him when I was there. But I'm not impressed at all. Shout out to Warren. Yeah, man, Shota Umino. I love the of all the Blackpool combat guys coming out in all black, and they just showed us like his pink or whatever the hell he was wearing. It's neon colors. It's phenomenal. Phenomenal. He could really stand out. In a crowd, and yeah, o- Omega Osprey is the greatest match I've ever seen in my entire oh, life. Oh man, seeing that live, I can't imagine. It must have been nuts. The, the, the Canada flag part, uh, our, it, it was it didn't really resonate well on pay per view, but the section I was in, I was about uh, thirteen rows back from the ringside on the floor, and I could see like the stage is right here. Right uh, after he started messing with the Canadian flag, our section started singing "Oh Canada." <laughs> doing the all a1 right yeah uh, speaking of a1 did you see or hear of slammiversary yes i was gonna bring that up i saw he as returned soon, as soon as i saw him during the eric young bit i'm like oh kyle's gonna flip so. marked marked out i i didn't even know he was still alive to be honest so it was it was miraculous to see him make a run in and, and with eric young and scott Demore. just need to throw bobby Roode in there and we're all set and pd williams of course but Team Canada, my heart is full. Ugh. Yeah. Well, I don't know if there's any Canadians on this show, man. Let me look through the... Uh, there's no Bret Hart. There's... Owen Hart. Uh, Owen, well, he's not in a match. He is He is here. But... Uh, he is... But Bulldog lived in Canada for a portion of his life. Um, okay, he's Canadian. What about the, what about the dark matches? Because there was literal dark matches here, too, but... Oh, oh. I, I assume... Savio Vega versus Steve Austin. Am I right or am I wrong, everybody? It was dark. The power went out. Uh, I, I remember that. It was like I remember that like it was yesterday, too. This this whole ordeal. So were you you were watching this live when this happened? I wasn't watching the pay-per-views, but I was I was basically starting my obsession with pro wrestling around this time. I was okay. casually watching like three. Well, 93, 94, uh, I used to watch it at lunchtime with uh, with my late father. Mm-hmm. We would get home from, we had, a, our family had a butcher shop, so I would go hang out with him on weekends. He'd go, I'd go help feed the pigs. He would get, you know, whatever, kill a couple of animals, cut, a, cut up some steaks and come home and watch uh, WWF superstars. So you're a big Godwins fans, I'm assuming. I I think my dad was a, would have liked the Godwins, like. I mean, if not him, I mean, who are who are they catering to? If not your father, who does stuff with pigs, not weird stuff. Well, the, just, the, you know. well, no, well, the rest of my family, because we're all like all of us are like farmers and butchers, right? Okay, well, see, so you, you got you got somebody to represent you, even though there's no Canadians on this show. It's always good to hear, but uh, we do, yeah. To your point, we do got dark matches on the show, which we can run through. But just before we get into anything, overall, be aware. 
here's a question for you. What do you prefer? Beware of dog one or beware of dog two? What's your, some people don't like sequels, um, but I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? I, well, one was short and I thought, well, this is going to be the shortest podcast of all time. I'm yeah. It, it, it'd be like a, basically a episode of mine that barely run 40 minutes sometimes. So I'm <laughs> nothing wrong with I, that. I, no, I'm, I'm good with that. But number two had, Oh bloody hell. I already forget who they had on commentary, but JR the, and Mr. Perfect. That's it. Like I, I like that commentary team. I did too. But, but I mean, King's one liners in, in number one might put it up there. <laughs> Oh, you're and, a fan. And, you're a fan of well, his one-liners. One-liners. One of them was pretty funny. What, what was that? Uh, Tell me, Fretz. What, what was the, the funny? What was the funny one? What made you laugh? The, that, the grills in the mist was filmed in Sable Shower. I mean, okay, see so that one went over my head. So maybe that was funny. But was that is that like an old movie? That's a movie. I think it might have been around this time. And another movie that was around this time, I think, is a little bit ironic. Is Twister. So we oh. had a storm that took this out. So I imagine there was like a cow flying and, you know, Shania Twain is doing a bit and uh, Eddie mm. and Alex Van Halen doing one of the best movie scores of all time. What was it? Uh, Respect the Storm. Look it up. Phenomenal. How's that go? Why don't you hum it for us? It's 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 instrumental. I, mean, I, you, I, you I can't hum it. Da, 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 and then goes on from there. It's. Just look wow. it up. I I, I can't. Powerful. I don't give it justice. I, I barely <laughs> finished my that. coffee too, so I'm not functioning. How, how does Fretz like his coffee? That people want to know. Black. Oh, same here, man. Like it, like I like my women steaming hot and all over my penis. So we got. <laughs> well, uh, haven't, <laughs> haven't gotten there yet, but no one, no one, my clumsy ass, it'll happen at some point. Hey, it's still young, man. The day's still young. Um. But yeah, Twister's out. That's cool. Maybe that's maybe it's just promotion here, huh? Right? Oh, probably, probably. Yeah, that's something. Or it's WCW, um, you know, trying to uh, sabotage the show, what have you. But uh, anybody listening, if you're unaware, of course, Beware of Dog is the eighth in your house from the WWF promotion. And uh, a couple matches in, a storm hits, knocks out the power. And uh, the show is dark for I don't know how long. Obviously, on Peacock, they cut out all the, you know, in between stuff. But I would assume an hour at least. Do you, do you happen to know how long the power was out? Well, the power went out right after the, the first match. Right. Of the, well, not the free for all match. That was uh, we, we can tell a story about that one when it gets there. I think it had to do with the Godwins. Speaking right. of them, it, it was at least an hour, maybe an hour and a quarter. Because we mm-hmm. went from this to the main event, then there was the three other matches mm-hmm. that were taped on Tuesday. It, it was for a little while. I was just listening to the New Generation Project podcast review of this out on my walk this morning. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they, they alluded to. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, to your point, they had one match, and then the power went out, and then it was the main event. So it must have been a while um just a very bizarre like order of things i wasn't sure because i've always heard about this but i've never watched it unfold so i guess we could just kind of go in order here just you know for uh history's sake but um not not a bad show overall you know technical difficulties uh excluded but um definitely a very interesting show but uh yeah you brought up the uh the dark matches 
just want to give a shout out to because all these in your houses, they always have like a really like a dark match card that could be just like its own card. So we got we got four of them on this show. We got Bob Holly versus Isaac Yankum. We got Ahmed Johnson versus Jerry the King Lawler. We got the Ultimate Warrior versus Owen Hart. And we, oh, I, I, I couldn't even imagine. The ring qualifier, I think that was. Oh, no, I think that was the night after, which we'll get into. Um, right. And then Jake Roberts versus Justin Hawk Bradshaw, which I was looking on Cage Match, and it, it, it seemed like this was going to be a part of the actual show, which I'm kind of glad it wasn't, but I also wanted to see the train wreck that it most assuredly was. But it actually right. kind of was part of the show. Like it was, was just it? as the lights were coming back on. I think Jake like hit the DDT, and then just after that, they got the feedback on with uh, with that promo. But we we also had the there was another there was a free for all match here too as well. Let's let's hear about it, man. We got uh, the free for all. We got the tag team titles on the line because why put that on the main show? We got the champions, the Godwins, of course, comprised of. Hog and Pig, Henry O. Godwin and Phineas I. Godwin. We got the Godwins defending against the Ass Men, the Smoking Guns, Billy Gun, Bart Gun. So this is on the pre-show. I couldn't really find a version of this slash. Didn't really care enough to look too deep into it. But um, the Smoking Guns end up winning, and I know Sonny ends up joining the Guns. Do you happen to know how that unfolds? I know exactly how this unfolds and a little bit more Tell me. after. So Sonny, uh, Kevinius had a infatuation with Sonny. I mean, who didn't in 1996? I mean, I, I sure did. I, I sure did. You know, certain things were changing with myself. So that Sonny really helped get things going. <laughs> so, that old Canadian puberty. It's strong. I know. I know. Oh, oh boy. So Sonny lifts up her skirt to show her. Mm. Well, Probably a thong or underpants with half of a butt cheek hanging out. Maybe a little butthole action. We, little, little chocolate flavored starfish. Now, we didn't quite get to the whatever that sunny porno is called. We didn't quite get there. Mm. But no, uh, she flashes her butt. Vinius is just a gape and eats What's a bridging butt? back suit. <laughs> eats a bridging back suplex. And there's the smoking guns winning. After oh. this match. Uh, Sonny got slapped, but the uh, rumor and innuendo his here is, I think this was according to like Bruce Pritchard's podcast or something. Henry O puts the bucket down in the locker room and says, guys, Sonny's going to get slapped tonight. Now I'm just going to turn around and I'm just going to leave this bucket here. Wink, wink, toxic backstage, every ba- every orifice. Everything out of every orifice was in was in that bucket. Oh, I think I have heard about that. I wasn't sure this was the show, but that is. So do people just not like Sonny or are people just dicks? They they column A, column B. Like Sonny yeah. rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, you know, especially and right when. And if you've seen the dark side of the ring with uh, Chris and Tammy, yeah. you know, the that more than a few people in that locker room were seeing were having some sunny days. So. And, and and right in front of Candido, like he was either oblivious to it or he was okay with it. And he loved her so blindly that mm. 
or he wasn't confrontational or a, I don't want to say cuck. I mean, I don't want to speak ill of, of, of the man. That, that I mean, nothing passed, wrong with a little cuckage. To each their own. Um, maybe they liked that, but yep, they just did everything in the bucket. Sonny got, and it looked pretty vile on TV, but it didn't look like there was like crap and jizz and mm. pee and all that in it. Man. Well, that's just, uh, Bring slop to a whole new. I was gonna make a cum joke when you said she got slopped, but I guess that's literally what it was. So the joke kind of writes itself, I suppose. Mm-hmm. That's very. Um, I don't know if it's unfortunate or if it's deserved, but it's it's a thing that happened. I guess we could say, for a shadow, no shadow it, of a doubt. It's uh, not a rib. It's it's a receipt. There it is. Mm, that's. You know those receipts in wrestling, you're just getting shit and piss all over you. That's it's just breaking in, man. It's paying your dues. Everybody goes through it. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't get peed on at their job, right? It's not just me. Um, but speaking of cucks, we got uh I don't know if it's cucking, but Brock Lesnar's fucking his wife now. Um, we got Mark Barrow versus Triple H kicking off part one. Of Beware of Dog, Mark Marrow, of course, accompanied by Sable. Um, so this kind of got kicked off at WrestleMania this past year when Triple H came out with Sable on his arm. Now, this is the period where uh, old Hunter Hearst Helmsley is coming out with a different lady every night He's because he's rich, I guess. And uh, it just happened to be Sable on WrestleMania. And WrestleMania also was the debut of Mark Marrow, but they weren't. Marrow and Sable weren't debuted at the same time. They were separate of each other. But then the roles afterwards, they came together. They're together. And then Triple H says, uh, I don't even want Sable. She's ugly. And then Marrow's like, ah, I'm wild. So I don't know. But that, that's basically the build here. Mark Marrow, the wild man. I haven't seen much of the wild man, to be honest, but. I don't know. What did you make of this gimmick? To me, it seemed very half-assed, even though like I do like it is fairly stripped down Mark Amaro, at least compared to like Johnny B. Bad, which I like. I like his aesthetic. I like his vibe, but he has the goofy promo before the match. Welcome to the jungle. It's kind of unnecessary, but I guess that's the time. But yeah, what did you make of wild man Mark Amaro here? I was a fan of him when I was a kid, but uh, allegedly Vince McMahon wanted little Richard. Vince McMahon wanted... Yeah. Johnny B. Bad, and you couldn't call him Johnny B. Bad because that was trademarked by Turner, and so he had to find something around that. And then when he laid his eyes on Sable, it's like, mm. oh, I gotta have that on my screen. Just he, he, he was more infatuated with Sable, and Mark Merrow, I think, was more of an afterthought. And despite oh, yeah. the fact that he would hold gold in the Federation for a little bit. He was still kind of treated as that, and Sable was always at the at the forefront. But yeah, I like that. I liked Guns N' Roses, so the Welcome to the Jungle bit was it, it resonated with me. It was very it was very apt. Hmm. I don't know why Bob Backlund got involved with him on Superstars before this. I mean, was Bob he ba- campaigning and then <laughs> Bob Backlund's kind of like herpes in this era. He's like always there somewhere, and it's never good, you know, like. It's weird to say, but he was like the world champion like a year and a half before this. But afterwards, he's just ran. He's campaigning to be president, I guess, is the thing. But there's never any payoff or 
results. He's just kind of around. I don't know if they just want the name value of Bob Backlund hanging around, but I don't know. I never really saw value in him. But yeah, he he did take part in this, I guess, attacked Mark Merrill on Superstars, right? At least that's what they showed. Um, yeah, before the match. Put him, in, put him in the chicken wing for reasons. I, I don't get it. Fuck him. Um, but yeah, that's basically what it is. And then Triple H also attacked him on Superstars, I believe. Hit him with the pedigree, so... That's why we have this match. And you kind of look at this on paper, Mark Merrow versus Triple H. Well, there's a few things. So first of all, you look at these two names, and obviously one would go on to have much more success than the other, to say the least. Um, but without hindsight, like watching this live, like if you, could, if you could like put yourself back in 1996, who would you like predict would go on to have the better career, Mark Merrow or Hunter Hearst Helmsley? Honestly, I still would have picked Triple H. Yeah, why is that? I, 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 I never really liked Triple H, like even when he was in DX. But mm-hmm. I, I thought he had something. He had something special, and then he'd go on and just. It took him a while. It took him about another three years after this before he reached the heights that he would reach. Mm-hmm. And and Marrow, I just thought you know he's a good wrestler. Behind the mic, maybe he's. He leaves a little bit to be desired. I, I preferred him as marvelous Mark Merrow as the boxer. See, that's that's this, how I was introduced to him. So yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah i I became a no. I became a fan of him when he started doing that. Like his, the first time he breaks out, the marvelous Mark Merrow comes out to that awesome generic rock theme you hear in a lot of commercials. He just yeah. up and low blows a guy, just punches him right in the balls. Like, yeah, <laughs> okay, I, I, I I like this, and he loses by DQ in his first match back. Just. Doing the old Shinsuke Nakamura special. Of course. Of course. Yeah, I could see you thinking, yeah, Triple H definitely has something here. You can see it. I would like in this time period, I would kind of compare him to DDP, which is a weird comparison, but he's like a solid heel that clearly gives a shit in an era where that's like few and far between for whatever reason. Like Triple H, I mean, the match here is like whatever. Like it's it's solid. It's nothing that I would like recommend you go out of your way and watch, but Triple H, I mean, he's a good heel here. He's solid on the mic, even though he hasn't talked a ton at this point. But the way he bumps and the way he just sells and, and his, the heat that he gets, like, it's, it's, you could definitely tell there's something there. But also, to the same point, Mark Merrow, obviously the more flashier of the two. Just a really fun style, especially for the time. I mean, he's throwing out Frankensteiners and planches to the outside, which seems very mundane in today's world but in 1996 this isn't something you were seeing every match so he definitely sticks out his his in-ring style mark marrow does at this point so but i guess in in the context of wwf that's not really what they're uh what the big stars do so i guess yeah to your point triple h definitely probably had the, the bigger upside at this point but um but the match itself first before we get into the match itself jerry lawler just <laughs> pissed me off to no end during this match. Really the whole show, I guess the two matches he covered. Um, he's pretending that Sable is ugly throughout this whole thing because he's a heel and Sable's a baby face. <laughs> it's just like, I get it. You got to dig on the baby faces. You're the heel. But at some point, look at Sable. Like the, the, she's he's calling her a horse face. He's he said that the what was the reference about the movie? The shower. I, I got two. I I had another one here. Uh, Please. It was the the Gorillas in the Mist was filmed in Sable's shower. That got a kick out of me. And 
This okay. next one just I almost fell off my chair, really, but it's it was kind of funny if you know, if you know the reference. Sable is so ugly that not even Ted Danson would would date her. Ted Danson is Sam Elliott from the right. bartender from Cheers, uh, known for well, some having you know significant others that didn't look the look the part. Like, yeah, I, I hate that shallowness, but that's that's what it is. I was about to say and, Diane and was, was a hot dame, so I was like, what was the hell is Lawler talking about? But I guess it's real life significant others yeah uh king was distracted by that valet who has had like the most 90s hair that ever 90'd just just sitting beside her just egging her on and she's completely deadpan or she's just like that uh that meme with a drunk guy screaming screaming at the chick at the club Uh, that's that's what that reminded me of just king and going on and on and he's he's, uh, it the one-liners were good but but yeah, the, rest the, the lady that Triple H brought out during this match, I, I forget her name. She had some 90s name. Um, but Lawler is pretending that this lady is prettier than Sable. Look, I don't want to be mean here, but uh, look, you said it. She had the 90s haircut, the bob. She looked like Coconut Head from Ned Steve's Classified. She, she looked like she had no idea what was going on. I mean, she looked like deadpan, but she looked like a Chuck E. Cheese, like animatronic, like character. Like she's just like, like a like an NPC, just like rotating, not reacting to anything. As long as like, look at look how look how pretty. This is a classy broad here, and she's just like, uh, no idea where she is. It seemed like, and I'm not gonna say that she's ugly, but uh, put her against Sable, there's just no comparison. So, um, uh, unless you disagree. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> I think that's pretty unanimous. I mean, Sable Unleashed on VHS. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, there's some wrestling here outside of that somehow. Um, again, pretty solid match. I mean, at the beginning, Triple H, she attacks the arm of Mark Merrow. Nothing particularly exciting here. Some arm bars, you know, throw them against the post arm first. Triple H throwing out the old Ric Flair knee onto Mark Marrow's arm. So it is what it is. You're doing the old abdominal stretch rope leverage spot where the ref's like, hey, are you holding that rope? Uh, hey, Buster, you better stop that. Then it goes back around. So we get some of the classic heel stuff from Triple H here, which is fun. But then Marrow fights back. Frankensteiner, head scissors, does his flying sunset flip, which also always like one of the stupidest moves I've ever seen. It's a sunset flip, but he jumps from the top rope, which is like, okay, you're just putting more impact on yourself while doing the same sunset flip that you would do otherwise. Whatever. Um, looked cool, I guess, which is all that matters. Um, Mero with a flying plancha to the outside, but it misses. And uh, he hurts his knee in the process. Triple H throws him into the ring, goes to hit the pedigree. But he really wants Sable to watch. Going back to the old uh, cuckold thread that we got going here, I guess. Uh, we got Sable. Wants, he wants Sable to watch. Sable turns her. She doesn't want to watch. So Triple H lets go of the pedigree. Goes to the outside. Goes, grabs her by the arm and says, hey, hey, uh, you better watch. Uh, he's kind of abandoned his old accent at this point. Uh, gets back in the ring. Goes to hit the pedigree again. But Marrow reverses into a catapult shooting Triple H into the face first into the top of the ring post, which looked pretty sweet. 
and that gets us the win. So I guess that knocks him out. So Mark Merrill gets the win. Weird finish, but I'm not too mad about it. But yeah, I don't know. What do you think about the, the match? The match was pretty good. I mean, Mark Merrill pulled out the ro- rolling prawn hold, which was Ooh. surprising. A lot of good psychology for Triple H with uh, working the arm. Uh, Jerry the King Lawler just being an absolute twat. And I saw a couple of smarky smark fans in the front row, like throwing up the two sweet to trip uh, towards mm. Triple H. So uh, a, there was a lot of like wrestling observer readers at this point in time. You know, I wouldn't get into smarky smarkness until at least the mid aughts, like well after this. Uh, yeah. Is this after the curtain call? This is one month before the curtain call. One. Wait, well, wait Scott- a minute. What? what yeah. Hang on. Wait, no, that was in May. It mm-hmm. might have been either just before or just after. Because Scott Hall, was... fun fact, debuts on Nitro the night after this. Okay, so it was like a couple of weeks ago. The, the, so yeah, so yeah, it must have been after. Yeah, if, if that logic. Yeah. Um, and, and Triple H was just about being uh, starting to get uh, his punishment. Like rumor and innuendo is that he was going to win the King of the Ring, but we would wait mm-hmm. another year, a year for that. I'm glad we did because we would see the meteoric meteoric whatever that word. Yeah, thank you. Rise of Steve Austin. Yeah, I think everything ended up um, just fine. I would say, but yeah, yeah. To your point, just another uh, another loss for old Hunter Hearst Helmsley. But I thought he came off. He didn't come off like a jabroni here. It's not like he got squashed in 20 seconds, like like at WrestleMania or something. Like that would be stupid. He wasn't um, even in trouble back then. Yeah. So really, really, I guess it's, it wasn't as dramatic, at least so far as people make it out the same. But Mark Merrill gets the win here. And uh, yeah, we're on with him. But after that, well, we got a backstage promo here from Cornette, Camp Cornette. So Cornette's surrounded by Owen Hart, Bulldog, uh, Clarence Mason, uh, maybe some other guys. But Cornette's. So the main event, allegedly, is supposed to be uh, Shawn Michaels defending the WWF title against the British Bulldog. And we'll get into that feud and all that stuff, uh, I guess, next here. But um, Cornette says he has a bombshell that he's going to drop tonight, but he's not going to say it because he doesn't want tri- uh, Shawn Michaels to have time to prepare. And uh, by the way, during this promo, you hear Stone Cold's music in the background because we're, we're setting up for the second match of the night, which is supposed to be Stone Cold versus Savio Vega in a Caribbean strap match. However, it's at this point, well, I guess it's not at this point, but on Peacock, the power goes out, and they shift to when the power came back on, and then all of a sudden, Bulldog's coming out. So it's like, okay, so that must have been, uh, the power must have been out for a substantial amount of time if they're just closing it out here. Um, but yeah, you said you were, you, you heard all about, we kind of talked about the power going out. I mean, did you have any, like, Anything else on that? I think we kind of covered it in the beginning, right? Yeah, well, this lightning hit the transmitter or something that led to power into the arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was little bits where on pay-per-view, you just got nothing but the, the blank screen. And then JR and the King pop up in a little bit, say, hey, hang tight. Just stand by. We're, we're working on it. Then, they, then that's when they had Yoko Vader, Strat Match, and uh, JBL, Jake Roberts in the dark. Okay, yeah, so I was going to ask. So they did actually have the matches. They were just in the dark. Yeah, they 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 were like reproduced them or re-released them. They just did, hey, look, last night what happened? There was a storm. Oh, uh, 
you can either get a refund or you can order a Bugara Dog 2 Electric Boogaloo right now. <laughs> That's so they basically just redid because they, they would like, like you said, they would eventually do the encore the following Tuesday and they would do the matches that were scheduled here in the light. But you're, so they did it in the dark, I guess. That's yeah. hilarious. So I thought, so I guess because um, Vincent Mann on commentary is kind of walking through this and I guess it was kind of all up in the air. He kind of alluded that on the encore, this match would also be happening again, but I, I don't think it did because they set up a rematch for King of the Ring. Spoiler. But yeah. um yeah, so it was just a very bizarre kind of setup for it. And I, everybody's all like flabbergasted and shook up because, oh, my God, they, nobody knows what's happening. No, they probably didn't even know this match was going to happen until a couple minutes before. So and Vince McMahon's on commentary, so it's probably a limited amount that he could <laughs> take part in. So everybody's kind of you could tell everybody's kind of like, well, what the hell's going on here? But um, to your point, we got the WWF title on the line here. we got the champion, Shawn Michaels, defending against the British Bulldog. Sean, of course, accompanied by his trainer, Jose Lothario. We got the British Bulldog out there with Diana Smith, Jim Cornette, and Owen Hart. So uh, this buildup to this match is something that I was not very familiar. I was not very familiar with this. I'm going to be honest. Um, And I like seeing how it played out and kind of see why it wasn't very. It's very dramatic, very novel. I guess for the time you didn't really see this like soap opery kind of stuff. I feel like in this era, but uh, it was something they were trying stuff. Do you remember this buildup as it was happening? Oh, I do. You know, the, the H in HBK stands for homewrecker. Okay. I like that. You got D- Diana's zombie Linda McMahon acting from the lead up to WrestleMania X seven. <sighs> and we're, we're, we're pulling off a Bill Clinton joke before, I think before it happened, I don't know when Monica Lewinsky got involved here, but basically Michael's doing that. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Yep. I know you want me. And then in in HPK's mind, it's like, ha, Sonny. <laughs> uh, this is character assassination. This was soap opera stuff. And this was a little... A little not so PG for the PG era because they were right. basically accusing a man of rape. Well, I don't think it was not was rape, it, but it was a he, he was it could have proposition. Well, he was served an official summons, which I'll get to in a second. But yeah, just to kind of wrap that all up. So um, Diana Smith is basically accusing Sean of trying to sleep with her. So I don't think it, it was like a forced upon thing. I think it was Sean was just tr- like flirting with her or whatever. They kept it very vague. And then Bulldog, obviously none too pleased with this. Cornette's crazy. Ah, what the hell? He's swinging his racket. So it's a whole big thing. And it's just like they're putting forward that Sean is a, um, what's the word? A um, man. Predator? No. When you, when you, um, oh my God, what's the word when you just, um, womanizer. Womanizer is the word. They womanizer. Yeah. Um, which is bizarre for your baby face. I don't know. Maybe that's what people liked at the time. I don't know. Um, but just a really dumb kind of thing. There's no like substance to it. There's no like video of Sean coming on to Diana. It's just, I guess the, maybe the story is that Bull, the Bulldog just wants a world title shot. And this is how his method of getting it is kind of how I read into this. But um, <laughs> it's funny that you compare Diana to Linda McMahon because I literally did the exact same thing. And they had the very, the same emotion, the same just 
again, just another animatronic. Just I'm here, robots. Diana's all over the place, whether it's SummerSlam 92, any match that the Bulldogs did in this era, she's always in the crowd or ringside. I've, I've, I've had enough of Diana Hart personally, but this is, um, yeah, just basically all I say that this buildup left a lot to be desired, but it's a unique thing. You know, they're trying new stuff, so I, I give them credit for that. But before the match, so Clarence Mason is out there, who is uh, the lawyer of Jim Cornette, I guess. Um, and in turn, everybody in Camp Cornette. So Clarence Mason has a neck brace on, which for, do you remember why he has a neck brace? I couldn't really recall if he got attacked or whatever. I think it was more of a sympathy thing. Uh, and he was probably trying to be uh, the the guy that uh, was in the O.J. Simpson trial. Like right, uh, Johnny Cochran. They were truly parodying Johnny Cochran, but he didn't have the Chewbacca defense in this version, unfortunately. Unfortunately, yeah, that really would have uh, been a slam dunk if he had done that. Uh, but they, uh, so I alluded to the bombshell that Jim Cornette was going to drop, quote unquote. Apparently, it's that uh, sh- right before the match starts, everybody's in the ring about to get underway. He's served, Shawn Michaels is, he's served a summons for attempted alienation of affection, which sounds made up, but I don't yeah. know. I'm not a lawyer, but maybe, it, maybe it's uh, Shawn didn't seem to care. Uh, Diana didn't even seem to care. Bulldog doesn't care. Nobody really cares except Clarence Mason, maybe, and Jim Cornette. So just uh, I get, with the power going out, everybody's kind of frazzled. The stupid storyline, it just all kind of sums up to just stupidity here. But the match happens. Put Pearl Harbor job from Bulldog as, as Sean. He tears up the summons. He's, you know, whatever. Pearl Harbors. The, bull, the match gets underway, and then Bulldog. Um, proceeds to put on rest holds on Shawn Michaels for what seems like 87 minutes. Um, honestly, like the match kind of kicked in towards the end, but uh, Bulldog in this era, unless he's facing Bret Hart, <laughs> is not really going to be anything worthwhile. But I mean, not the worst I've seen from Bulldog, but I think I credit that to Shawn Michaels. But I don't know. What do you what do you think of this match? I mean, it, it was fine. It was serviceable. You know, Barry yeah. Lawler pulling out another line here. Uh, Bulldog's going to knock out so many of Sean's teeth, his mouth will look like it's in jail. <laughs> and then he says something like, a woman throws yourself at us. Uh, I forget. Oh, man, I can't even read my own fucking writing. Uh, just talking about how women throw themselves at people. And he's like, hey, people like me and Sean, yeah, we're the same because women throw themselves at us. And, right. Yeah. Uh, and and Vince McMahon's insipid commentary here just one and two and I got on one no he didn't uh, uh, <laughs> maneuver and, uh, oh there's an insigiri the same move that put Sean out of action thanks to uh, Mr Owen Hart who got himself his South Carolina I don't know what Carolina it is so if anyone's listening from it's South Carolina this show okay thank you yep. like, a South Carolina bona fide manager's license I want to know where I can get those for uh, Ontario Canada for not reasons I will not get into today. <laughs> Bull- Bulldog had a really nice electric chair. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lawler here was referencing Marty Jannetty and when saying that when they were with the Rockers, Sean always went for the married women, and Marty would just go for members of his family. <laughs> well, you're not wrong there, Fretz. You're not that. You're not wrong there. Um, nope. But I actually noted that too because yeah, Lawler brings it up. He's like, he says Marty, 
says it about Sean. And then Vince McMahon's like, ah, oh, we're not going to give any validity to Marty Jannetty. It's like, what the fuck did Marty do? <laughs> I mean, we know what he did now, but um, Vince, Vince just buries the shit out of Marty Jannetty here, which I think is hilarious. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's some good stuff here towards the end. Uh, Sean comes back. He does his forearm, the axe handle, the elbow, all the classic HPK stuff. We got a ref bump, of course, because it's the world title match in the mid-90s. Owen Hart's in. Gets immediately kicked with a sweet chin music from Sean. But this allows Bulldog to take advantage and goes for the power slam. But Sean reverses it, shoves Bulldog into the corner, and then hits Bulldog with a German suplex with a bridge for the win, which is bizarre. I was like, wow, random finish. But then Bulldog's music hits. So I guess both of their shoulders were on the mat. And by the way, I knew some shit was up when the ref went down and they kept panning back to, to the old ref. And then there's a new ref in. So there's going to be some shenanigans here. So they do the whole thing where it's a bulldog music plays. The ref hands him the belt, but then the old ref comes in, takes the belt from him, gives it to Sean. Sean's music plays. Then Diana grabs the belt. She walks off with it. Then Gorilla Monsoon, who's the president, comes out, takes the belt from Diana, gets in the ring. They have a bit of a, a meeting in the ring with the refs and whatnot. Gorilla says that this match is a draw. And then <laughs> I guess ultimately there's going to be a rematch at King of the Ring. They didn't announce that here. But without knowing that there's going to be a rematch, I think it's hilarious that this show, part one, you have one match, the power goes out, you come back, you have the main event, it's a schmozzy draw finish. <laughs> so really Florence, South Carolina, I think this was. Yeah, fuck you guys, I guess. But I don't know. What would you make of this whole whole debacle here at the end? It was just literally to set up the, the rematch. And I think at King yeah. King of the Ring, it's going to be like a no DQ, something kind of match where this stipulation would be prevented. And as soon as I saw that German suplex, I'm like, Bulldog's shoulders were clearly on the mat like a, a german a, a good german suplex i'm 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 daring to say his name because his son was on appeared on rampage or whatever the other AEW show is the other night uh, chris benoit he gets mm-hmm. a german suplex his shoulders are not on the mat michaels right. couldn't really get the bridge up i mean it takes a lot of neck and upper shoulder strength uh and he can land a good one but then this was just let's set up the next one their match at the King of the Ring, I remember being a little bit better than this. Okay. I, I haven't seen it in some time. I had both of these on VHS. So, like, I, I did watch both of these shows Interesting. quite a few times. Well, I'll look forward to that, I suppose. But um, yeah, just in the grand scheme of things, it's just in the middle of this whole this whole part one, part two thing, which is funny. But um, so that closes out part one. And then there's a Raw the next night. And then Tuesday in, uh, I forget where they are, Some another South Carolina place, maybe Charleston. I don't remember. Uh, part two, Beware of Dog, gets underway. And we're kicking it off with a Caribbean strap match. Savio Vega versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. So uh, we are still in the, he's not the ringmaster at this point, but he is still with, Ted DiBiase, he still has the million dollar championship. Like we said, King of the Ring is the next pay-per-view, so we all we all know what happens there. But this is right before that gets underway. 
So we got this match here. JR and Mr. Perfect are on commentary, which is a welcome change. Um, they, they kind of recap um, what happened on Sunday night. They show some clips of them fighting in the, in the dark, which is just hilarious, just whipping each other with straps in the dark. Um, and the, 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 the gimmick going for, or the stipulation going into this is if Savio Vega loses, he's going to become the chauffeur for Ted DiBiase. But if Steve Austin loses, well, Ted DiBiase is going to leave the WWF. So that's the stakes here. These guys had a match at WrestleMania. It seems like they've been fighting for forever. So that's kind of how we've, we've gotten to this point. Um, and by the way, the rules, because it seems like every strap match has different, <laughs> a different set of rules. You win this match by touching each corner in succession to win. So all four corners. So that's kind of where we're at here. Um, the match itself, I'll go as far to say this might be the best strap match I've ever seen. Yeah, it's better than the Brahma Bull Rope match, that's for sure. <laughs> I was about to say, it's not like a, a high bar unless you like start bringing in like the dog collar matches, but there's a lot of good dog collar matches, but just a regular strap, Caribbean strap, Texas strap, whatever the hell. I can't think of a better strap match than this. I, I was pretty entertained by it. What about you? I I really like this match. Uh, you know, Ted saying that he'll vow to leave if he loses. So, or Savio would become the new Virgil. Either way, I would have been in it. Mm. And Mr. Perfect was saying that this is a match that Savio Vega's never lost. And I added in or never been in. It's like he <laughs> has this record in Caribbean strap matches, maybe in WWC and uh Yeah, I think Car- it was like, like in the in Carib in uh Puerto Rico or whatever, I think he's been in. I mean, I haven't researched it, but I would assume maybe it's just it, the thing well, they made was, up. I don't know. Yeah, well, he was TNT in Puerto Rico and he was more of a deathmatch guy, so Mm. He could he could have had like a strap or an exploding strap match in there, like exploding strap match. Is that a thing? If not, it should be. You, you remember those? Um, it's like those. Uh, it's like that strip of red paper, and if you like pop it with something, it's a little firecracker. I, I'm I'm aging myself here. I can't remember what they were called. I think they did that at AW Revolution, uh, 2020, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I didn't even know those things still existed because I. Caps. They were just called caps or something. People my age might re- might remember what those things are, but I, I can't do it. The sounds Canadian. The sound right off the top. The sounds Canadian. So I'm not. No, familiar. it's it's very Texas. It's very it, it it's a very Texas cowboy thing. That's all I can remember. Anyone who can vaguely understand what my jumble sure mess is, just like you, you sure it's not Calgary cowboy. No. Yeah, you're right. Caps. It's just called caps. Like, I think Ralph Wiggum ate them on The Simpsons. It's like, I ate my caps or something like that. Yeah, call it if you're a big caps fan. Not the Capitals. Fuck them. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast itself. Um, but yeah, I like this match. I think there was a good use of the strap. I mean, there's only so many things you can do. But look, if Savio Vega, I don't know what I don't know how many strap matches he's been in, but he seemed like he knew what he was doing here. I mean, he's. You're doing all the classic spots. He, he, he pulls Steve Austin into the ring post when they're like on opposite sides. Um, both guys like are choking each other with the strap, obviously slapping each other, hitting each other in the back and chest with the strap. You got hog tying, a good amount of hog tying in this match, which I'm a big fan of. Um, using the strap as defense. Like the, I don't know, it was very, there was good drama here. The way they built up to touching the four corners, the way they like cut them off by like, you know, like Austin, like Savio got three corners, was going for the fourth one, and then Steve Austin just like rips them 
like whiplashes him and just sends Savio flying. There's another spot where that happens again, but this time Steve Austin counters with a spine buster. Like Savio's going to the fourth, and then he just like tackles him and just like Goldberg spine busters him in the mat. So there's some good, like some good um intensity in this match, I thought. So um yeah, I don't know. Any any spots in particular in this one stick out to you? It's not going on here. I think you you got them. You know, there was a really good superplex after a three-corner bit. Uh yeah. Austin's double leg, the Austin going for a tombstone, and then Savio goes for it himself, and then they both tumble over the top rope. Right. And, and Savio Vega jerking Austin off the top rope was a good one. What? Austin hitting a po- Oh, off the top rope. I'm sorry. But yeah, yeah. We're <laughs> not quite there. Austin with a pile driver, the million dollar dream. But then while he's locked in the million dollar dream, Savio Vega is still touching mm-hmm. the turnbuckle. So he's fading all, not quite fading all the way there. And and the last bit where I think they may have both had a three to three tie. And then you had the drama of that last one that Savio finally mm-hmm. hits, like leaping over Austin. It was very good. He leads the crowd into a somewhat dodgy rendition of na 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 hey goodbye it's it's not as bad as jr's but it's uh um, mm. but it it was pretty good this is a very this is the best match on both shows i'm gonna say oh right yeah now. easily match of the uh three days but um yeah to your point there's also a spot by the way because you always in these like strat matches you always have the part where like the heel tries to run away but he forgets he's tied up so the baby face pulls him back in you have that in this match we also have a point where like Austin throws Savio over the top rope to try to get him out of the way. And then Austin like follows him. He like ends up falling over the top rope himself, which is like, like these little things. I thought they, they made this strap match really work. Although to be fair, I guess they had um, two opportunities to do that. They had good practice two nights before, but um, good stuff here. And yeah, like you said, they, they do the old, um, the old Eddie Guerrero JBL finish here, which is the first show I ever attended. And they had the old uh, Texas bull rope match. This is the one where Eddie Guerrero lost the title. And they had a similar finish where um, like Eddie was touching the corners and then JBL would be behind him also touching the corners. And then he would get the fourth one. Do a similar thing here. And Savio ends up winning. Like you said, so Savio tells the music guy to play na 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 hey hey or whatever the song's called. And then Savio tries to sing over it, but he's not in sync and the crowd's confused. But whatever, Ted's out off to join the nwo or whatever (laughs) so salvio wins and steve austin will get his seat back to say the least at the next pay-per-view but yeah all around good salvio vegas kind of exceeded my expectations from like what i've seen so far like he's had a couple really good matches with gold dust and some of the stuff he did like one two three kid like salvio vega i think is kind of an unsung gem in this era he's underrated and even when he performed under a mask as quang i mean the best match you got out of him (laughs) The best match you got out of him was with Adam Baum. And, you know, no offense to Brian Clark and Savio Vega. That's not saying a lot, but mm. he, he's very underrated, like especially in this era. For sure. For sure. Um, glad he got his flowers, though, at a backlash this past year. Great to see. Oh, I forgot about that. That, that was cool. That was awesome. Speaking of cool, that other part was cool, too. Yes. Yes. Um, but then we quickly, quickly go backstage. Question Did you ever talk to Shawn Michaels on AOL? No, uh, I was an MSN Messenger guy, like being up here in Canada. MSN Messenger is where every shy, awkward kid would try and shoot their shot against their crush and then get immediately uh, 
blocked or left on scene. Don't ask me why I know that. Uh, so it's the same as AOL then. I did the WWE chat rooms back in the day or like the Google ones, but th those um, laptops that Shawn Michaels is crying mm -hmm. to uh, maneuver, uh, they're <laughs> like cl clunkier than a original model Xbox. It looks like my work laptop. It's um, yeah, Shawn Michaels <laughs> trying to maneuver this laptop is hilarious because that is literally what he's doing. Because the camera's on him for like a minute, like over his shoulder as he's like talking to somebody, and he's just looking at this keyboard like it's an alien with five heads. He doesn't know what the hell's going on. It's it's the camera's on him for a minute. He doesn't hit one key. He's just kind of just looking. He's just bewildered by the whole thing. So. <laughs> It's just, and WCW does a similar thing. It's always hilarious seeing these guys have no idea what to do with a laptop, but um, must have taken forever if you were trying to have a conversation with them. That's my point. You you oh. would type two words and then they wouldn't appear on the screen for a minute. Then you'd get a delay. It, right. it, it was like when we tried to record a couple of weeks ago with uh, our <laughs> internets being dodgy. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That, that was our own beware of dog, you know? Exactly. It, it's never been released. It's it's the the lost tapes. It's it's the lost tapes. I have to dig pretty deep if I want to find it. I'll I'll find it for you. I'll I'll dig deep inside you to find. It. So we got Vader versus Yokozuna next. Which uh, oh, just just oh saying boy. that it <laughs> gives me feelings inside. Oh. I will say this though. Like, look, you look, you see this on paper. It's like you got Yokozuna, who's at least six fifty at this point. It's got to be. You got. Vader is this it's WWF Vader is far behind far ahead of his prime or behind his prime he's past his prime um so you got these two guys going one on one against each other on paper there's like this isn't this is going to be awful so I, I had low expectations going into this I will say this definitely exceeded my expectations was it a good match I don't know about that but I thought there were some pretty fun moments here um they, they kind of knew what they were working with and they kind of made the most of it. I think it was as good as it could have been. I don't know. What'd you think about it? I mean, it was fine. I mean, I remember that Yokozuna getting his leg broken and by the Vader bomb and getting forklifted out of the arena. Right. I remember that like it was yesterday. That's one of the first Monday Night Raws I ever watched live. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, he was just about 650 here. This was a stalling brawl. Uh, JR is plugging the superstar line and he actually left in the number. Uh, I called it back in the day and got my ass mm. kicked for it by my parents for jacking up the phone bill. And it was like, <laughs> I, I would try and call it now. And you probably either get nothing. This phone isn't in service or you get one of those late night uh, sex lines that you see on like Fox Rochester. Are those still a thing? Can you do a phone call sex line nowadays? I don't know. Like, I, I could have swore I've seen like those. It's just, you know, it's late night and I just like to party and it's somewhat provocative, but it's not full on like sexy. I, right. I don't know. I mean, if since don't pretend like you don't know, you seem to have a lot of specific knowledge on these phone lines. Don't pretend like you don't know what you're like. You just heard this throughout the, through the vine. Dude, I used to be a night hawk. I used to work nights. So I would see these commercials and for some reason they would stick with me. Mm. I never tried. I never tried them. I like, Honestly, I never did. But if things like right. the, it, the internet and chatterbait exist, then there's no really point for these things. Exactly. exactly. At least even OnlyFans, I think you can uh, message people. I don't know. I don't do that. Yeah, um, you have to 
pay for, you have to pay for that though so nah. right yeah i'm not gonna pay 16.99 to look at your cooter uh i can do it for free yeah exactly speaking of cooters we got a couple cooters here um so yoko and vader um they start out with uh, like yoko's in his sumo stance vader gets in his football stance they 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 tease it they they, they they're they're like about to be like two bulls like crashing into each other but vader bitches out um they do this twice where Vader's like, ah, no, no, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And then they do it the third time. And they they finally run at each other. And of course, Yoko, who's like twice as big as Vader at this point, just pancakes the hell out of them. And like that, that kind of like plays into my thought here, which I've brought up before, but I want, I want to know your thoughts. Do you think pairing Vader and Yoko right off the bat off of Vader's debut? Do you think that like killed the mystique of Vader because of how much bigger Yoko is than him? I don't think so. It just gave Vader odds that he's never faced before. Like he's never faced anyone as big as Yoko. So right. If, so if anything, I think it helped kind of elevate things a little bit. And there, Jr. here, he's talking about Vader body slamming Yokozuna. And it's like the only man to do that is Ahmed Johnson. You were on the USS Intrepid when Lex Luger slammed him. Who's that? Lex Luger? That's not a person. That's yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, he appeared on nitro and hurt you but you can't erase him like he's chris benoit like he <laughs> he body slammed yoko crush tried to do it that day like a bunch of other guys did yeah like like come on like don't we he could have revisionist history this early he could have said the last person the body slam him was ahmed johnson but to say that he's the only one like come on man you could avoid that it, it was three years ago too like to right point. come on 30 years ago this month now. Holy shnikes. I need a Tylenol. As old as me. Um, but yeah, so we got, uh, and I noted here that Yoko, Yoko is really good in bursts because he has, he has some offense here. He, he drops the elbow on Vader's leg. Obviously as revenge, you brought it up how Vader broke Yoko's leg on raw. They had to forklift him out. Um, so Yoko's trying to get revenge here, drops some weight on his legs. Yoko throwing out a Uranagi, a Samoan drop, and then he's gassed. <laughs> but those moves he did, they looked impressive. For how big he is, he has no business like being able to walk, much less do wrestling moves. So all the credit to him. Um, but uh, ultimately, Yoko goes for the bonsai onto Vader. But Cornette is on the apron, tries to hit Yoko with the racket. But Yoko like catches the racket, doesn't even look at him, he just kind of catches it. He brings in Cornette, rips him into the ring. Cornette is just, he has the best like, like uh, cartoon manager reactions. Like, oh, no, no, no. He puts the racket down. He tries to shake his hand. Yoko grabs his hand, squeezes it, tries to break his hand, hits him with the headbutt, and then goes to do the bonsai drop onto Cornette. But Vader rips Cornette from under him, so Yoko misses. And then Vader, I guess Yoko's leg lands on the bottom rope. So he tries. So uh, Vader replicates the way he broke his leg before by splashing on Yoko, Yokozuna's leg, and then hits the Vader bomb from the second rope for the win. So Vader gets the win, and uh, yeah, like I said, I, I, this is as much as you could really expect from these guys, and it, it got Vader the win. So I think you know, all's well that ends well. I guess this was. It is what it is. Like you know. Corny's trying to, they're kind of trying to give Corny his, his receipts here, but 
No, we're, we're building up Vader. I mean, he's going to be in the main event very, very soon mm-hmm. for very long. Spoiler alert. But it's just another odd for Vader to overcome and be, being the short pudgy kid who is always referred to or compared to Yokozuna. Yeah, this one, this match sticks out like a sore thumb for me. Just Cornette's overacting it is phenomenal. It's, I'm, I'm a big fan. <laughs> big fan. Um, the, he says things that I don't agree with, but man, Cornette in the ring is just a gem in every single way. So, um, but speaking of gems, uh, guys, quickly, did, did you have any notes on this King of the Ring commercial that popped on after this? I just put in here that there was a tournament match between Warrior and Goldust, and Vader got a buy. Now, I looked at the entire bracket here, and then I just thought. Mm-hmm. The state of the WWE in 1996. Yeah. Looking at, there's like a few of those names I could see like, oh, okay, Triple H, that's a winner. Owen Hart, former King of the Ring winner, should have won 1995. Uh, you got another one, like, oh, this is a pretty good, oh my gosh, who else is in here? Ugh. You know, and Jake Roberts is in the finals. <laughs> you kind of know where you're at in 1996, but... They also played like a commercial with Jerry Lawler, who is always the king, obviously. Yeah, Jerry Lawler, he's in heaven, and then Elvis is there. Oh, it's a stupid commercial. Um, but that brings us to, I guess, the main event, the Intercontinental Championship, a casket match for the Intercontinental Championship. We got the Gold Dust Champion defending against The Undertaker. So the golden casket is out there. It's kind of a weird matchup because Taker's in a feud with Mankind and Goldust is making out with Ahmed Johnson. So they all they both got their like individual things going on, but they had a few interactions on Raw, I guess, where uh <laughs> Goldust did this he like him and Mankind beat down Undertaker and then Goldust did this weird like cowgirl dry humping on him. This was thought of doing that to Mark Calloway is hilarious, but uh Goldust is all in with this character, but uh, that being said, this match, I feel like this felt like a Dustin Rhodes match, not a Gold Dust match. I felt like the the shenanigans from Gold Dust were pretty limited here, and it felt like just a, a good old fashioned wrestling match. What do you think about it? They did this match in the dark uh, when the power was out, and this was, and it had like the Rumble '94 finish with all the heels coming out to stuff Taker in the casket. So we had a different one coming out for this. I mean, yeah, I'm with you. This was very Dustin Rhodes. This was very like old school like a very uh wcw like a old territory match great stuff you know undertaker appearing behind Goldust with his mind games mm-hmm. i mean mind games is in a couple of months so that's let's get them out of here out here early a leg dropping an old school and Goldust hits the most gentle version of the tombstone i've ever seen <laughs> doesn't want to <laughs> hurt the golden goose i guess well he doesn't want to blow out both of his knees uh taker gets one and we well we got the finish here with mankind is popping out of the casket mandible yeah. claw calling gold dust mommy before <laughs> dominic wood <laughs> you can't have a casket match without uh some third party popping out of the casket that's for sure um but yeah to your point yeah the old schools the gold dust tombstone you know gold dust wrapping a sleeper on undertaker to knock him out to roll him in the casket 
solid stuff here. The casket match gimmick. They're they're working as as uh they're, they're making the most of it. Um, you know, gold dust rolls Taker in the casket, and then Taker puts his stupid purple glove out there to block it, and then Gold dust like puts his whole body weight on top of the casket to try to close it, but then Taker like explodes out of it, like sh- shoving gold dust like into the first row. Some good stuff here. Um, gold dust, you know. You forget how big Goldust is until he starts power slamming the shit out of Undertaker this entire match. But um, good stuff leading up to the finish, like you said. Mankind. So the casket door is closed. Undertaker hits the tombstone on the Goldust. Goes to roll him in the casket. Pops out Mankind. Mandible claw. The, the, the paralyzing hold, as Vince McMahon says. Uh, puts Undertaker in the casket. Taker's out. They close, by the way, the casket door is like <laughs> broken. I don't know. It's not like attached to the casket, but they like uh, they close it. So Gold Dust ends up winning, which, uh, by the way, the, the thought of Undertaker being Intercontinental Champion is just hilarious to me. I don't know why, but um, does not get it here. Gold Dust retains. And then so you have Undertaker in the casket. Mankind's on top of it. Mankind takes some sort of tool out and locks the casket. And it starts smoking. <laughs> Smoke comes from the casket. And then the lights go out, I believe, or it's just the regular light. Um, Paul Bearer ends up getting the casket door open. And there's no Undertaker. Where did he go? He's gone. Just peak Undertaker stuff. The supernatural. It's like silly, but like all of this is silly. But I think it really works for the time. Um, I was fairly entertained by it, but. Yeah, Mankind coming out strong, man. He just he debuted at the Raw after WrestleMania, immediately attacks The Undertaker, lays him out, does it a few times on the Raw's leading up to this, and now leaves him laying at the end of a pay-per-view. So big stuff for Mankind coming up. But um, yeah, any other thoughts on that? Well, that was a very entertaining casket match. You know, when we have a no-DQ ta- casket match with, with a heel, you, you know there's going to be shenanigans. Always. Always. But yeah, I mean, that brings uh, Beware of Dog 2 to a close. So we've covered both parts here. Um, if you had to grade a, just a ultimate, all part one and two together in your house eight, if you had to grade it from a scale of S to F, what do you think you'd give it? I'd give it maybe about a B minus. I was entertained. Yeah, I think it was solid. I mean, B minus, maybe C plus. It was by far not the worst I've seen, but. Um, I mean, in this era is, is one of the better shows probably that I've watched. You know, it had low moments, but it was solid, I think is the word. You know, they had their gimmicks, but they 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 gimmicked them as, as good as they could gimmick. Um, but speaking of dogs, speaking of beware, speaking of storms, I'm trying to figure out how to link this to the Fretzelmania podcast. Where can everybody find the Fretzelmania podcast and listen to your beautiful voice and uh, tickle your nipples. Well, you can do all of those things by following me on Twitter and Instagram at Fretzelmania, F-R-E-T-Z-L-E mania every week ish. I mean, it's summer tourist season to live on a beach. So if I don't have time one week, I don't have a podcast. I've been mostly right now focusing on the ruthless aggression podcast. Shout mm-hmm. out to the RA era podcast boys doing mostly smackdowns at this point in time. I just re- recorded yesterday one for well that took place in toronto and it had a battle rap with kurt angle and john cena i'm going to do vengeance after that and 
lead into SummerSlam with uh, Nate the effing great. So hell yeah. Every man. week on Wrestle Attic Radio, follow Attic underscore Wrestle on Twitter. We got Kings of the Rings. We got uh, Nate the effing great's brace for impact. And we got the Young Lions perspective. So we got something just about three, four days a week with each of our guys. Mm-hmm. People. Yeah. Lots of Nathan Jones you're covering, right? I did a little bit of Nathan Jones. Uh, I'm going to be getting back into him when it comes for a Survivor Series, so I'm looking forward to that. You don't get into him. He gets into you. Oh, yeah. Once again, thank you to Fretz from the Fretzelmania podcast for joining me on In Your House 8, a lovely, lovely uh, segmented show. Uh, go check out Fretz wherever you listen to podcasts. Check me out too on all the social medias. You know the deal. Hey, you know what we're here for. You know what we got to do. Bartholomew, hit that tasty jingle, you piece of shit. WCWECWWF, who's the hardest promotion? Eric or Vince or Polly? I think we can agree, though, it's mostly shit. Alrighty then. Hardest promotion. Of 1996 battle continues. So we will walk you through it if you've never listened to this before or watched it. By the way, on YouTube, I have a video version of the podcast if you're not aware, but you'll be able to see what I'm doing here. I got my old uh, my old spreadsheet up here as we walk through it. So feel free to check that out. Maybe give the video a like ski while you're there. But if you're listening in audio land, I will walk you through it, of course. So. Hardest promotion of 1996. We got WWF versus WCW versus ECW. We take into account in-ring. We take into account out-of-ring, the roster, the pay-per-view quality, all of that. We'll go through it here. But as of right now, the overall scores, WWF has 13 points. WCW has one point. ECW has eight points how do we get those points hardest part of the ring well i'll tell you here in a second why don't you just calm down why don't you cool your tits there sir or madam the first thing we're going to do before we do anything is we're going to grade this show from a scale of s to f s being the best f being the worst so i got it fucking i got (laughs) i got part two and part one here separately let me in your house eight beware of dog what are we thinking gang what are we thinking it's not the best not the worst, though. So logic would say probably deserves a C. But let's see what else we've given a C. We gave Slambury a C. I might have been too generous on Slambury, I'm going to be honest. But we gave uh, we gave In Your House 7 a B. Now, was this as good as In Your House 7? In Your House 7 gave us the best match of the year so far, as of what right now. Sean versus Diesel. I forget what else was on that show, but there was some other good stuff on there. Matter of respect, gotta be. So, In Your House 8. So, we got a really good strap match between Steve Austin and Savio Vega. I thought uh, the WWF title match was fine. The casket match was fine. Nothing really, like, bad on this show. Let me let me take a look at my notes, make sure I'm not forgetting anything. Uh, Mark Merrow versus Hunter Hearst Helmsley was kind of underwhelming. Um, Vader Yokozuna was fine. I might, do I throw a B at this is the question. I 
because, you know, you got to take into account kind of like entertainment per minute. I like how these in your house shows are short, like it was sub two hours and it felt like every second kind of mattered, even though the opener kind of dragged a little bit. I thought like there was like Yoko and Vader was better than it had any right in being. I thought the casket match between Goldust and Taker was a fun brawl. I might throw a B at this bad boy. I'll tell you what, there was nothing as good as Sean and Diesel from In Your House 7, but I think this one was more consistent because you got to remember In Your House 7 also had the worst match. So I might, I might throw a B at this one. We're going to throw a B at In Your House 8. And what does that mean? So we look at WWF, WCW, ECW, and we look at who has the highest average grade, which right now WWF still has the highest average grade with like a B ish. So we're going to, uh, yeah. So go back to the overall scoreboard here. Best overall average grade WWF. So that's still WWF. So they get six points for that. Best pay-per-view. We're still tracking it as WrestleMania 12. So that gives WWF two points. Worst pay-per-view WCW super brawl which would obviously still be the same because this is not the worst in your house. Eight. So super brawl is still the worst. So WCW gets negative one point for that in ring. So we're tracking ECW as the best just overall in ring. <clears throat> I don't know if anything on this show would sway that again. It was pretty solid. Um, I wouldn't say it was, I wouldn't say it was really like the in ring quality that kind of, well, it kind of it was and it wasn't, but I, I don't I don't know if anything is better than like because ECW, you got Rob Van Dam and Sabu killing it. Shane Douglas and Scorpio for the TV title. You got Sandman and Raven up top for the heavyweight title. Like ECW's got a lot of really awesome revolutionary stuff going. So I'm like ECW maintains that, I think, for now. So they get four points for that. ECW does. Best match. We're tracking Sean versus Diesel at in your house seven. Don't think anything on this show overtook that. I mean, I would think the, my, my personal match of this In Your House 8 was Steve Austin versus Savio Vega, but I wouldn't put that above Sean versus Diesel. So, But still, WWF has that at In Your House 7. So WWF gets two points. Worst match also at In Your House 7, Ultimate Warrior versus Goldust. Nothing on, the, nothing on this show was worse than that. It's cool. We're going to have a hub. We're going to have a tough time beating that as the worst match of the year, but we'll see what happens. So, so WWF gets negative one point for that roster star power. So who has the best overall roster? So right now we're tracking WCW because up top they got the Hogan's, the Macho Man's, the Flair's. Um, while also having the talent of the Cruiserweights, your Dean Malenko's, your Eddie Guerrero's, Benoit. Again, I don't think anything really would sway that since the last show. I mean, we've got Mark Merrow now on pay-per-views. I think that's really the only change um, since last time I looked at this. And I don't think that would sway anything, really. So WCW maintains that. Four points. Also, by the way, WWF has... Uh, I guess at this point, they've officially lost Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. So that's just another another mark for WCW. As we approach the Outsiders debut in. So WCW gets four points for the best overall roster. 
wrestler, wrestler of the year. We're tracking Shawn Michaels. Um, so on this show, he had a pretty okay match with Bulldog, but dragging a okay match with Bulldog is something to be commended. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep Shawn Michaels there. I wouldn't say anything really. Um, I mean, as far as like people in contention, I don't think it maybe like sting from WCW, maybe a, um, maybe a Shane Douglas from ECW, maybe a Sabu from ECW. I don't think anybody's really, really content with Shawn Michaels yet. Um, but lots of year to play out, but we're going to keep it as Shawn Michaels for now. And WWF gets two points for that. Worst wrestler of the year. We're tracking Kevin Sullivan from WCW. Yeah, I mean, from this show, you could say Yokozuna if you wanted, but like, I feel like he serves his part very well. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put Yoko as the worst, actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, not even close. Kevin Sullivan is still by far the worst. Somehow less mobile than Yokozuna (laughs) is Kevin Sullivan. So yeah, WCW gets negative one point for that. Out of ring. So this is your gimmicks, your characters, your promos, your storylines. Best overall in that aspect. Just all of it all together. We're tracking ECW. Um, so in your house, eight, we got Savio and Austin is kind of a dumb story. Bulldog, <laughs> Bulldog and Sean. They're trying stuff, but I don't think it really hits. Gold Dust is kind of a Gold Dust Mankind Undertaker. It's kind of a guy like a menage a trois going there a little bit, but I don't think that really overtakes because ECW, you got Rob Van Dam and Sabu having an awesome rivalry. You got Shane Douglas and Scorpio fighting for the TV title. They got some good stuff going there where they're like taking turns, getting the one up on each other. There's some good stuff going on in ECW. Not to mention the tag team titles. Raven and Sandman is really starting to uh, get off the ground. So ECW, I think, still has the best out of ring overall. Best characters. best Even the promos, I think, in ECW were the best. So ECW maintains that. So they get four points for that. Best character storyline. We're tracking Goldust as the best. Um. Question is, is, has he gone downhill since WrestleMania? Because he was hot, like when he first came on the scene, his thing with Roddy Piper was awesome. The Undertaker feud just kind of came out of nowhere. Although, I mean, I guess it's been good for what it is and his interactions with mankind, I guess, <laughs> kind of enhance his character a little bit. We'll keep Goldust there. I think you could argue Mankind, but I think we're still a little early in Mankind for him to be considered the best. Um, We'll keep Gold Dust. It's going to be WWF, I feel like, either way. ECW, I think, might overtake this one with some of the stuff they got going on. And obviously, we got the NWO about to kick off. So this is kind of a moot point for right now, but we'll keep it as WWF for now. So they get two points. Worst character storyline. Dungeon of Doom. Um, man, I'm I'm genuinely um 
tempted to put the Sean and Bulldog feud on here because that was just so stupid. I don't know if it's worse than the, than, than the Dungeon of Doom, though. I don't know if I can say that that's worse. So, yeah, we'll, we'll keep DOD there. WCW gets negative one point for that. So with that, I think we're in neutral here. No changes, I don't believe. So we still got WWF in the lead with 13, ECW in second with eight points. And then WCW holding the rear with one point. So, and by the way, in case you're curious, in case you haven't been a part of this before, whoever wins this at the end of the year of 1996, uh, Daddy will purchase <laughs> a title belt of the company that wins. So, we will see lots of year to go, lots of stuff happening in 1996. So this could change. But right now, the new generation is in the lead. So, But with that, I think that's about all Daddy has for you today. Hey, we made it without a thunderstorm. We made it without any dogs attacking my genitals. So I think it was a win, huh? Uh, hopefully none of that happened to you as you were listening. But it would kind of be funny if it did. So with that, I, I bid you adieu. Thank you for listening. I love you all. I do appreciate all of you. I appreciate all the support, all the listens, all the watches, all the tickles. All of it. I appreciate it all. Love you all. Have a good day or night or morning. I'm hard. Yeah.